women do have various cravings for certain food items like pickles or a particular fruit like watermelon. But there are some stranger cravings when people want to eat non-food items. So one of my patients wanted to eat toilet paper. Now the other patient that I had wanted to eat dirt. Sometimes women want to chew ice or eat ice, so that is a more healthy craving. Welcome to the Medical Mythbusters podcast, where we set the record straight on today's most talked about medical topics and questions. On every episode, we'll hear stories from the front lines of medical care to help dispel common myths and answer the questions you've been itching to ask your doctor. And remember, you can always find more information on this week's topic and hundreds of others on MerckManuals.com. Now, here's your host, Editor-in-Chief of the Merck Manuals, Dr. Robert Porter. Welcome to the Medical Mythbusters podcast, where we set the record straight on today's most talked about medical topics and questions. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Porter, Editor-in-Chief of the Merck Manuals, one of the world's most trusted medical resources. On this episode, we welcome Dr. Laura Friel, Associate Professor of Maternal Fetal Medicine at the University of Texas at Houston. She's the high-risk pregnancy specialist at Memorial Hermann Texas Medical Center and also authors some of the pregnancy topics in the Merck Manual. Hi, Rob. Very happy to be here. Well, a lot happens during the 40 weeks of pregnancy, most of which is pretty normal and not distressing to many women, but a lot of people worry about what they're doing during pregnancy, what they're eating, what their jobs are. Women have gotten advice for thousands of years from their family, from their friends, from their neighbors, and now we have the internet. The internet's expanded all the conflicting information that women can get about how to stay healthy during pregnancy. So we'll have Dr. Friel try to dispel some of the biggest pregnancy myths and help our listeners have the healthiest possible experience for them and their future baby. Some of the bigger sets of myths seem to involve exercise. I remember when I was young, they said pregnant women shouldn't do heavy exercise. They shouldn't lift heavy things. Well, now women are lifting weights and running marathons and doing all sorts of things. What's the truth about this, Dr. Friel? This is a great question, and I think um, this is a big question for my patient population. Many women don't realize that cardiac output increases during gestation and then increases again for labor and then finally one more time when she's pushing. And so really, we should not avoid exercise during pregnancy. It may even be more important to exercise in pregnancy compared to when you're not pregnant because you are preparing for something that is physiologically difficult. We call it labor. Um, It's not rest time, right? (laughs) Um, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology recommends that pregnant women have 30 minutes of moderate activity on most days of the week. And in general, I consider that about five days, so 150 minutes total in a week. There are common activities that women can do, Walking is considered exercise, aerobics, swimming, some biking, dancing, yoga, 
weight training, gardening is considered exercise, women should stay active. So really, if they've been doing something before pregnancy, they can pretty much continue it. Is that right? That's right. So exercise is very individualized. Women who are more active pre in their pre-pregnancy state um, would expect to do more activity in pregnancy. I've had a aerobics instructor with a twin pregnancy ask me if she can continue instructing. And I, of course, explained about twin pregnancies and risk of preterm delivery, but I wanted her to continue her, her normal exercise, pay attention to her body, stop exercising if she's contracting, of course, maintain hydration whenever she's active, but she was able to stay healthy and exercising for the majority of her pregnancy. Is there a time when women need to cut back or stop? Uh, presumably right before delivery, you might not want to be uh, doing that kind of thing. Is that true? There's really no time that she should stop unless there is a complication occurring in her pregnancy. We do have people um, decrease some activity when they're having elevated blood pressures, but it's more so if they're having a complication in pregnancy, not a routine pregnancy. Are there any exercises at all, then, that uh, women should avoid? Yes. So we want to avoid high-impact exercises, things that are excessively jarring or can lead to a fall risk. So more of your contact sports like basketball, um, horseback riding, skiing, vigorous racket sports. But when I was in Detroit, we had a, a professional women's basketball team there. It, it has left Detroit since. But, you know, in general, contact sports, including basketball, would be discouraged. But professional athletes do push these limits to some extent, and many of the professional basketball players were playing until about 20 weeks of pregnancy. How about scuba diving? Uh, we do not have um, enough information about pregnant women scuba diving, and that should be avoided as well. And very heavy lifting. I know I've seen on television some women competing in contests who are power lifters who are stronger than most men out there. Heavy lifting all right? So women are allowed some lightweight training, but yes, heavy weight lifting that requires straining would be discouraged. Still, that leaves a, a whole lot of exercise open to women, and I suspect the problem is more that women aren't doing enough than that they're doing too much. That's right. I don't think women are doing enough um, in the pre-pregnancy state, and therefore they are questioning whether they should in pregnancy, but they should. And of course, we're not talking about women with medical conditions, in which case I presume they should check with their doctor before starting if they have heart disease, high blood pressure, any other conditions that any adult would get a checkup for before starting an exercise program. That's right. They should always check with their doctor. So how about diet? That seems to be something that's the subject of myths. What are some of the strangest diet recommendations your patients have mentioned to you? I think people 
have a lot of anxiety about some of the more antigenic foods like peanuts and dairy, and there's some questions about whether they should be eating those in during pregnancy and lactation, breastfeeding, and um, actually there is no evidence that they should avoid antigenic foods while they are pregnant or breastfeeding. So if you're worried about your child developing a peanut allergy, there's no point in not eating peanuts, right? That is correct. The American Academy of Pediatrics for approximately a decade was recommending that we delay giving allergenic foods to children, but now they've reversed their opinion and recommend early introduction of allergenic foods to prevent food allergies in children. So then there's certainly no point in the mother avoiding these foods. That's correct. How about the amount of food? Should pregnant women be eating for two, or should they be worried about gaining too much weight? Most women should be worried about gaining too much weight. Two-thirds of the American population is overweight or obese, so their pre-pregnancy weight is starting off higher than it should be, and therefore we're not eating for two. Even a normal weight woman should be eating 300 calories more a day, not twice as much in a day. So 300 calories is not even an extra meal. That would be a snack, such as a sandwich, apple slices and peanut butter, or half of the average fast food hamburger without any fries or drink. And what kinds of food should they be eating? In general, I tell my patients that a healthy diet is good for pregnancy as well as pre-pregnancy. So we are talking about fruits and vegetables, all the colors of the rainbow to get all the different nutrients from the different colors, lean meats, beans, nuts, and seeds. What foods should they avoid, if any? We do have to pay attention to the amount of caffeine we're ingesting in pregnancy. The American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology recommends less than 200 milligrams of caffeine in a day. That is approximately a 12-ounce cup of coffee, and we have to be very careful about the kind of coffee we're drinking, going to one of these coffee shops and getting extra espresso shots would we would want to avoid. And we also have to pay attention to how we're getting caffeine in other ways. I think women pay attention to coffee, but they don't realize that caffeine is also in migraine medications and some desserts, including chocolate. And many soda beverages have caffeine in them as well. Absolutely. And, of course, the energy drinks are considered energy drinks because they have extra caffeine. Yeah, they're quite caffeinated. Well, you need the energy drink after you have the baby and you're chasing them around the house. When you're not sleeping well. So, Dr. Real, we've heard that uh, mercury in fish is an issue. What do you tell your patients about that? Yes, actually, mercury in fish is an issue. Um, we want to eat fish that are 
lower down on the food chain because fish that eat a lot of other fish, that's where the mercury gets more and more concentrated in their tissues. And so lower mercury fish include salmon, catfish, light tuna, shrimp, and we want to avoid shark, swordfish, tilefish, and mackerel because they are eating more other little fish and then that mercury gets more concentrated in their bodies. Is there a limit on how much fish you generally tell your patients? Say, let's take the safe ones, of course, not the, the ones to avoid. For the safe fish, it's approximately 12 ounces of fish, um, maybe two cans of tuna fish during a week. And of course, alcohol, we uh, all know, I guess, to avoid alcohol. I did look in an old book of medical remedies and noticed that for vomiting of pregnancy, champagne was one of the recommendations. Well, that would no longer be a recommendation. There is no safe amount of alcohol in pregnancy. Okay, again, maybe for after the pregnancy. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with more shortly. With a library of calculators, conversion tables, 3D models, and case studies to explore, there's so much to learn and do on MerckManuals.com. Now, back to the Medical Mythbusters podcast with Dr. Porter. Back with Dr. Laura Friel. Now, how about cravings? I remember when I was a kid, the joke was always that pregnant women wanted pickles, pickles and ice cream. What's the strangest craving you've ever heard from one of your patients? I think women do have various cravings, and, and they can be for certain food items like pickles or a particular fruit like watermelon. Those are cravings that I would support in general. Um, there are some stranger cravings when people are want to eat non-food items. Um, so I've had a couple of patients with eating disorder called pica, um, and they were eating things that do not have nutritional value. So one of my patients wanted to eat toilet paper. Toilet paper is cellulose material. If it were to be eaten in high volumes, that can get stuck in the intestinal tract and actually block it. So it's very hard to get them to not eat these items like this toilet paper overall, but we kept her to just one roll of toilet paper a day and we wanted to make sure that she was eating food as well and getting a nutritional diet otherwise. Um, and she did well in the pregnancy. But it's not a recommended source of fiber then. <laughs> no, it's not. Now, the other patient that I had wanted to eat dirt. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of the paint of the past had lead in it and dirt in industrial cities can have high levels of lead and she was collecting lead in her body and this can go to her joints and the fetus. Fortunately, her lead levels didn't get so high that we needed to remove the lead during the pregnancy because there's not a lot of data about 
chelating or removing lead during a pregnancy. So we have to discourage any pica like that. That's right. Sometimes women want to chew ice or eat ice. It's hard to eat too much ice or drink too much water in general, although there are diseases that where that does happen. Um, so that is a more healthy craving. Now we've talked about diet and exercise. Let's look at the last components of, of lifestyle. How about sleeping? Is there a specific position that women should be sleeping in or should avoid sleeping in for the baby's safety? Actually, there is. As pregnancy advances, when a woman is laying on her back, the uterus can put quite a bit of pressure on the major blood vessels of the body and prevent return of blood to the heart. Um, and so that would make her feel bad, nauseous. It sometimes happens even in the ultrasound unit. And women have to turn slightly. So many women find that it's more comfortable to be on the right or the left, but just not flat on the back. I've heard that some pregnant women want to avoid getting their hair done because of concerns about the chemicals in hair treatments. Is that actually an issue? Most of the time that is not an issue. So um, the, there are quite harsh chemicals and solvents used in the hair products and the, and the nail treatments, but women are not getting a big exposure to those products. They're not getting those chemicals into their body systemically because it's a short exposure time. So there have been experimental animal studies that showed that some of these chemicals were toxic at very high levels, but these are not the levels that women aren't getting exposed to in pregnancy. And I suppose that if the chemicals were really that harmful, they wouldn't put them in materials that you're designed to rub into your scalp. But how about other chemicals? Say women are working in industry where they might be exposed to chemicals. Are there jobs or are there chemicals where you advise the woman you, you need to work in a, a different department while you're pregnant or you know, not do a certain task? Certainly. So in terms of an occupational exposure, for the people who are actually doing the hair treatments or the nail treatments, that exposure is more prolonged because they might be even having daily exposure. Those people would want to wear gloves during the treatments and want to make sure that they're working in a very well-ventilated area so that they don't have the fumes from the solvents. How about women who are radiologists or radiology technicians? Do they have limits when they're pregnant that are different otherwise? So there are very strict limits to their exposure even outside of pregnancy. They are often wearing rings or badges that are calculating their exposure. And so in general, they just want to use the precautions that are already set in place and make sure that they have that badge or ring on them at all times so that, that the exposure is well known. Are there other lifestyle issues that we haven't covered so far? How about flying? So. There's no evidence that flying is a particular risk in pregnancy. Most women stop flying 
late in the third trimester. Some airlines say 34 weeks, some say 35 weeks, but that is more because the risk of going into labor is increasing as gestation is advancing. Right. So not because they're flying, but just because their pregnancy is coming along. They'll, they could deliver at any time, and they really should be at their, at their home facility with their own doctor rather than traveling in Nepal when they deliver. That's right. I think women don't realize that all of the data that is compiled throughout the pregnancy is useful at the time of delivery. And so if they are caught away from home, it might be important to have a set of their prenatal records, their prenatal labs, maybe even an ultrasound report from their dating in case they are away from their doctor. A new doctor would have none of those records. Of course, and we don't want to imply that there aren't exceptionally competent obstetricians in most of the other countries in the world. It's just that they don't have access to the particular patient's records, which are very helpful. That's right. And I'm not even talking about international travel. Even within Texas, the various medical centers don't communicate all of their data to each other. And so really being out of town, wherever you are, um, can be a disadvantage if something happens to you during your pregnancy, of course. Now to wrap up, Dr. Friel, could you tell us the top three or four things you'd like your patients to remember about staying safe and healthy during pregnancy? I want women to remain active in pregnancy. If they were not active at all pre-pregnancy, they can work up to some exercise slowly. Although the 30-minute rule is ideal, a woman could start with 10 minutes of walking in a day and work her way up to 30 over time. I want her to eat a healthy diet. This should include plenty of vegetables and fruits. She can eat beans, nuts, and seeds, all the colors of the rainbow, lean protein, and she should be well hydrated. I think many women are not drinking enough water on a daily basis, but we want her to drink more water, at least eight glasses every day. Excellent, Dr. Friel. Where can you advise our listeners to go who want to learn a little more about staying healthy during pregnancy? The American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology website has a lot of patient education materials and they can read more about any of these topics, nutrition, exercise, etc., on that website. And, of course, your excellent chapters in the Merck Manual. Well, thanks, Dr. Friel, for your time and expertise. I think we've armed our listeners with several tools and many tips to experience a healthy pregnancy. So for more information on these and hundreds of other medical topics, please visit MerckManuals.com. And remember, as we say at the Merck Manuals, Medical knowledge is power. Pass it on.